Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we are talking to Jay Fields, nervous system regulation expert. Enjoy the interview. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Rizzi. Hello, Anna. Hey, Christina. How are you doing today? I'm great. We have a special guest today to teach us some very important tips that I need to know, along with my children, but me as much. <laughs> we have Jay Fields here today. Jay Fields has devoted her life to helping people manage their emotions more effectively. Over 250,000 people have benefited from her courses. The most popular one is called Managing Your Emotions at Work, and she has a 12-week online course, which is even more well-suited to our listeners, called Yours Truly, which is about growing in intimacy and relationship fulfillment. Jay has a BA in psychosocial health and human movement and a master's degree in integral transformative education. She is the author of the book, Teaching People, Not Poses. Her specialty is helping people regulate their nervous systems through her courses, as well as through one-on-one and group coaching. Welcome, Jay Fields. Welcome, Jay. Thank you, ladies. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Me too. I need this. I'm like so excited because I'm I'm so grounded and meditative and centered, but then when I get really <laughs> pissed, I will, I will click send on that nasty text. Right. I will say, I, I will, will say, cut you. Yeah. I will yeah. say that thing you should never say. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited to get your tips today. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is such a great descriptor of so many people that I work with. Is that like, I can be super calm, cool and collected and very spiritually minded. And then I just become this crazy beast Yeah. or it's- I totally disconnect from the world and I'm like, this, this sucks. I'm out. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the dragon. I, I, I'm just like, let's destroy it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally, yeah. yeah, totally there with that too. So diving right in Jay, how important is the body and the nervous system for creating lasting behavioral changes? Massive, massive question. Right, right. <laughs> of not pushing send on that email. Yeah. So Here's, 
here's the way I would describe that because, you know, I also identify as being a seeker. And I think of a seeker as being someone who is continually wanting to better themselves, continually wanting to learn and like be more and more engaged in their relationships, their world. And those kind of people who like continual learning kind of are always putting themselves on the next growth edge or that, right, moving the, the line of where their comfort zone is. And your spirit might love that and your mind might love that, but your nervous system does not love that. And here's why. Your autonomic nervous system, its main job is to keep you alive. So as far as it's concerned, if you're still alive now, everything you've done up until this point is cool. You don't need to grow or do anything differently. In fact, growing or doing something differently is going to be perceived as a threat to your nervous system. And that is unconscious to your mind, right? Our nervous system is constantly reading situations. It's reading your face. It's reading the weather, you know, everything around me going, am I okay right now? Because if not, I'm going to run. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to scream at somebody, right? Or I'm going to shut down. And so if, if, a person can't work at the level of the nervous system, all that conceptual knowing won't happen. Like what I would say, all my clients, I would, all my one-on-one -on -one clients have said to me at some point, I've done therapy for years. I've done coaching for years. I've done meditation or yoga for years, whatever it is that they've done. And I know better, but my behavior hasn't changed. It's because of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. That is, that the is so rewired cascades. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. And, you know, because we call ourselves the spiritual fix for the very reason that for so much of how we got into this was that we were just like, what's the next fix? You know, like the mind right. and the spirit kept wanting that fix and just being like, what can what what's the new thing, though? You know, how can we like combine all these different modalities and things like that? And process exhaustion is a real thing for me. Like, that's how I've interpreted what you're saying. But it's like, definitely yeah. is so intense right right yeah. and if you're continually pushing yourself in yeah. that way you are burning out your nervous system because it's like hey 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 like we just need to get food have shelter and <laughs> that's great but how to find that balance and also how, how to stay grounded right because I know part of my past was once I found quote unquote, the spiritual fixes, I just like went straight up into the ethers as opposed to real, realizing like, oh, I'm still a human in a human body with human mm. issues that I need to deal with. And they weren't necessarily always in line. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that aligns so perfectly with what we're doing this season when we're talking about like, it's what we've been kind of transitioning into in a lot of ways is this understanding that we have a body for a reason and you can't transcend mm. it in the way that you want to. And bypass is everywhere all over. There's so many spiritual teachings that are all about bypass and it's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's good reason we're, we're, the body is messy, the body is uncomfortable, you know, all these yeah. different things. And we have cultures, mostly, you know, Western culture is thinking, thinking, doing, not being, feeling. Mm -hmm. So we're not very practiced at it. Yeah. You were, you were saying how the autonomic nervous system's job is basically to keep us safe and it likes um, the, sim the familiar and food and shelter. But what about that part of us that seeks 
excitement and gets bored easily and like creates drama or just creates threat simply because we get bored. Do you know what I mean? Ah, yeah. Well, let me see if I know what you mean, because the way I, the way I interpret everything I hear from people, I usually like run through my body. And when I run that through my body and I, and I feel what I'm, what I feel when I'm seeking more and excitement and drama and all that is that my nervous system is already mobilized. And that's the, so we talk about the system being mobilized or immobilized. Immobilized is what you think of when you're in like that go, 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 high stress, six things going on at once. You're talking fast, moving fast, right? And then the immobilized is the shutdown. It's the turtle in the shell. It's the Netflix binge in your sweatpants, right? So for me, that like drive for more or excitement or drama is already coming from a place of dysregulation. Because if I'm in a regulated state and our nervous system is in a regulated state where we feel, when we feel safe and we feel connected, I might want to learn more and be more curious and be more engaged and like be more alive, but I'm not looking for drama. Yeah. Okay. So in some ways, the mobilized system may be the one that seeks more drama simply because it's already in such a frenetic state that it can't understand how to regulate itself it's not it's not tending towards regulation it's tending towards dysregulation it's kind of like when you eat sugar you want more of it when you don't have it but when you're off sugar it's like that doesn't even interest me absolutely and I was actually just writing an article about this this morning I was saying when I'm in that state and I'm too busy it's when I say yes to more things and I'm like fields what are you doing you know like I'll say in my own head like you're already dying here why did you just say yes to that it's because it's like you're just you're 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 in like you're not accessing your your thinking your higher thinking yeah you're just going with what's rote and what's familiar and if you're often drama or used to busy that's what you do excuse me Oh, no, I was going to say, my husband's like, I already know when you're stressed out because you take on way more things than you should. And your to-do list gets even longer and bigger. And he told me that. And I'm like, wait, it's true. Why do I do this? Like when I'm the most stressed out that I'll plan three dinner parties in a week or something, you know, just, just insanity. But like, when you say that, Anna, do you feel it in your body? It's like, there's a state that you're in when you're doing that. And you're just perpetuating a tangled mess in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really that, hard to change and slow down from that place unless you are recognizing, oh, my nervous system is doing this. There's a really, I always recommend the work of Deb Dana. She she teaches about nervous system regulation and particularly polyvagal theory, which you can learn more about in my courses as well. But the the brilliant thing about her work is that she really says, you know, or really points out clearly depending on what state your nervous system is in, you see yourself, the other people in your world and the world around you very differently. Like if you're in that go, 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 busy, busy, busy mode, I absolutely guarantee you, you experience yourself, your husband, your kids, your world differently than when you're in say shutdown mode or when you're in a more regulated space, which they call social engagement. And the crazy thing about that to me is it really illuminates nothing about your husband, your children, your job has changed. The only thing that's changed is your physiology. 
Mm. So you would say that there's three main states of the of the system, dysregulated, regulated, and shut down? Is that what you, or what is that? I'm so glad you asked because it can get really confusing. So the three main states are social engagement, and that's when I'm regulated and, I, and I'm acting from a place as if I experience my world is safe. Then there are two different forms of dysregulation. And disrate, those two forms are mobilized, which we tend to think of as like fight, flee, or immobilized, which we tend to think of as that like numbed out, shut down place. Yeah. And just to be absolutely clear, you know, dysregulation isn't bad. We naturally go through those states like in a busy day, we kind of have to rev up to get shit done. Or on a weekend, we might kind of disengage and draw back to re re-energize and nurture. Dysregulation is only a problem when you get stuck there, when you can't get out. Yeah. Yep. And our listeners will recognize that too. We've talked about it a lot. We had a, a series on sexuality in the last season and we were talking a lot about stress response cycles and kind of, we, we talked about it with a number of different things, but we've called them stress response cycles about how you can get stuck at the back half of one of those. And it's just right. like, you can't, you can't get back. You can't get out of that in order to be able to then, or you have to finish a bunch of cycles that have gone right. three quarters of the way and haven't, hasn't finished out, right. Haven't released. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some practical nervous system management tips for reducing stress at work or with our family or with kids? Yeah, well, they're going to look familiar in the sense of often they're very close to what we think of as mindfulness. But the, the piece that I think is different about practices that target the nervous system is they're really embodied. It's about embodiment. And so that one of the places I always start with people I work with is just going over the ABCs. So I can share those here because they're kind of comprehensive yeah. in here's a within the ABCs are a whole bunch of different practices you could do to regulate your nervous system. So A stands for awareness and awareness is practices that are about orienting yourself. So the most basic form of that is look around the space that you're in. Like, unless you're driving right now, you know, take your eyes off of whatever it is you're focusing on, you're cleaning, you're cooking and look around the space you're in. Because when we get into a dysregulated state, we tend to get hyper-focused in tunnel vision and just moving your eyes around, moving your head around can help break that. Another way of orienting yourself, which is particularly good for kids is name, look around the room and name three things that are blue. Cause you have to, you know, snap out of whatever thing you're, <laughs> you're spinning on if you're doing that. So that's a, a is simply look around the space you're in, look for particular colors, particular types of objects and, and re-engage your brain in something that tells you, oh, right now I'm in this place and it's a B and the ABC stands for body. And body is simply anything that reminds you that you exist from the neck down because it's shocking how easy it is to forget that. So it's things like, you know, stretching, shaking, tap, even putting lotion on your hands. That's one of my regulation techniques is I'll, I'll take lotion or essential oils that have a smell to it. And just the action of rubbing it on my hands and having something to smell reminds me, oh yeah, I have a body, I have senses. So we're not talking about like 
an hour long yoga practice here. We're talking about every hour getting up and just moving around or making, moving your, your head, your ear to shoulder and other ear to shoulder, just a couple times an hour to remember like, oh yeah, body. Because once you do that, you're more likely to recognize I'm in high rev or I'm shutting down because you can feel it happening and you can interrupt it. And then the C in ABC stands for centering. And the practice, I mean, there's so many different ways of centering. You know, the basic one is simply to stand or sit taller, maybe lift your arms out to the side and get broader and then exhale and let them drop down. I like to sometimes imagine the imagery of a fountain that goes up the center of your body and then down the outsides of your body. And my favorite centering practice is centering with care. And that is to take a moment now that you've sat or stood taller and broadened across the chest and then either place your hands both on your chest or both on your belly or one to each and bring to mind someone or something or some place that you genuinely love. And usually, you know, you found it because you get a little smile or something feels a little brighter. And see if you can not just think about that person, place, or thing you love, but feel it. Feel it permeate your arms, your legs, your back body, and take that with you as you go to the next thing. So those are the ABCs. And I find that when I share them with people, usually one is like the one that's like, Ooh, that shifted something in my energy that shifted something in my mood. And I say, use that one. If the, if the other ones don't work, don't worry about it. Find the one that does and let it become a 30 second thing you do a dozen times a day, rather than a 20 minute practice you do once a day. That's awesome. I love that. I was doing that the whole time you were saying everything. (laughs) And did you notice, did one particularly shift things for you or? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's similar. I I do um, a heart mind coherence one Mm -hmm. where I'm breathing in like gratitude or compassion into my chest. And I think that it was interesting to do it with a memory, right? Like to do that same experience because I definitely got into that same heart mind regulation state or what I would call that. Right. And so I think that last one really helped a lot. Actually, I think they all helped. Let's be honest, because I'm definitely the type that just forgets I have a body and I just like will sit in the exact same position for like six hours at a time and forget I have like hands and arms. and. Yeah. Well, the thing that I, I like about those ABCs is many of them are things you can do when other people are around and they don't know you're doing it. You know, if you're sitting in a work meeting, you can look around the room or you can tap the side of your leg. People don't need to know that right now you're trying to bring yourself back. And like I said too, you know, kids really get this stuff. I I had a client who introduced to her three-year-old who would have really big emotional outbursts. Like when he was doing that, she would say, hey, right now let's name five things in this room that are yellow. And it just can at least bring a child down just that extra notch or two so that then you can comfort or soothe that sort of thing. So I, I think they're easy and powerful and it's just a matter of remembering. Mm-hmm. 
it, when you say the ABCs, you pick one of those ABCs. Is that what you're saying? Or you do you go and you go and order ABC? You know what? You can do all whatever three if you want. But I find that you know people are uh, typically not into additive sort of practices. You know, okay. Like, so choose one of them. You don't the have to do all three. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, I know that it changes. Well, the one depends on what I'm doing. Like if I'm at work, typically. I'll you if, if I'm sitting on Zoom with something or someone, I'll usually just use the centering sort of thing and remember something that supports me. If I'm dealing with family that's driving me nut bars, I usually shake, <laughs> you know, like I, I take my hands and I, or maybe I go into another room where they can't say, see me and I, I move my body. And when I'm alone and I'm working on writing or something like that, I absolutely used use the awareness thing of just looking around the room and remembering, oh yeah, my computer isn't the entire world, you know, yeah, just like right. move my head around my eyes. So I think as your listeners get used to the ABCs, you'll kind of understand which ones work for you and which ones work in different settings. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, in, it's amazing. I took one of my kids to see our shaman Robbie about emotional regulation stuff. And she taught this exercise where you crisscross your hands around yeah. your chest and you breathe in for six, inhale for six seconds, exhale six seconds, switch the hands and do it again. So my child's been doing this and we, my husband and I noticed that this, I don't want to say the gender. I don't want to give away which kid, but this kid of ours is like, they hug better, they're more centered, wow. they're approaching stress differently, all just by doing that, this breathing thing a few times a day. Amazing. And we're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, because that that's so cool to hear. And I think it just reinforces, you know, when our nervous system is, is in that social engagement state, we are more open to the world. I mean, that's where the things that we think of as like, our more spiritual consciousness and our more heart-centered way of being, that exists in that state. And it doesn't exist in the other two states. It's just not when we're in our human need for survival, those aspects of us that make us, you know, truly communicative, truly connective, truly creative, they're just not accessible. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I know you have so much background in yoga and obviously like psychosocial like and, and movement and all that so what was your kind of like impetus for for wanting to get into this field like what was the driver for it because I just love how it's such an amazing combination of all these different kind of aspects that you've kind of simplified here in this I mean even though it's more than the IBCs I know but you know like I'm just I'm sure fascinating yeah well I mean this is the this is 20 years into yeah uh, kind of winding path through lots of different, I mean, I'm like you, you ladies, I'm a, I'm an integrator. I like to pick different pieces and, and go, but the original thing that created this whole path was, I was just sharing this with someone yesterday and she was like, what? Um, I got married when I was the summer between my junior and senior year of college, which was crazy for me at that time, <laughs> like thinking back now. And I thought I had it figured out. Like I was, I went to a good school. I was a smart kid. Like I had a great guy and that marriage fell apart, like really messy in less than two years. And by the time I was 23, I was, you know, one year out of college, I was divorced and I was a shit show. I was, I had been practicing and teaching yoga for that point at four, four years, I guess. And I, I really wanted to understand how it was that 
I could have gotten so far out of integrity and so have such poor relational skills, given the fact that I was smart, that I cared about people, that I had a spiritual practice, you know, that I felt like I'd been raised in a really healthy, loving family. I was like, what the actual F is happening? And I went through a lot of different modalities to help understand that for myself and then started to realize I don't think I'm the only person who identifies as smart and sensitive, has big emotions, is a people pleaser. You know, Mm -hmm. relationships are so, so important to me and I didn't have the skill set. And I didn't understand it in a fully integrated way. Because I think that's the piece is I really hadn't ever discovered an approach that was fully integral. Like I definitely went way into the spiritual practice in my early twenties. And then I went way into therapy and psychosocial education. And then I went way into the brain and physiology and all that time I was in the body with yoga and outdoor education and all that stuff. But I, none of those practices had all of the components And when I went and got my master's degree, it was an integral transformative education, like you said, Anna, because I I truly believe that the only way to to become whole is to have a whole approach. And I'm totally with you on the sense of there's nothing to fix. It's about returning to wholeness. And we can't return to wholeness if every path we have is a single, you know, a single modality kind of path. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's, and, and I think probably so many, so many of my clients that I work with who listen to the show, so many, I'm sure people you work with too can totally relate to that idea of just like, it's like you have so many different tools and you have so many different things and yet still those behavioral patterns or those relational patterns are still where it's just like, how can I, how can I get like this? Like, how is it possible? Like, I understand so much intellectually, yeah. like the mind and the spirit understand so much of it. And yet the body ain't behaving. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I can, I think a lot of people will absolutely relate to what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, you know. look, my head is so freaking strong my brain, my mind, like I could spend all day thinking, 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 planning, 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 analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. And that is not my best life. <laughs> you know, like I had to do these other modalities because if not, I would have driven myself crazy. So aside from the ABCs, what are kind of habits we can get into like small little changes we can do to kind of keep ourselves in, hold on to keep ourselves in social engagement, AKA the regulated system. Yeah. Nice. You got it. Well, I think this is the important thing to understand about this question before I answer that. And that is the little things that we do depend on which state we're in. Let me give you an example. If I'm in the immobilized state where I am Netflix binging and in my sweatpants and wanting to eat comfort food, and I know you know, going for a hike is going to make me feel better because that's something that regulates me. I ain't going from a hike for a hike, you know, like I'm not going to get mm-hmm. off the couch and go into something that is that much of a mobilized sort of need. Yep. Similarly, if I'm in mobilized mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, in that go, go, go crazy state where I'm saying yes to more things, even though I'm already busy, 
yeah. it's going to be really hard for me to say, go to a yin yoga class. <laughs> like, that's like going from 85 miles an hour to two. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of the things I share with my clients all the time, which is in order to know what your little things are that regulate you first, make a list of them and then discern what are the ones I know I can do when I'm more shut down mm-hmm. and what are the ones I know I can access when I am more revved up. Because if you try and use one as a blanket, I know I always go for a walk. It might not be the thing you can do when you're actually in that state. So I know this sounds silly, but one of my regulation techniques for myself when I'm in a shutdown place is a warm shower. Like, it's not like (laughs) I should be taking a shower every day, right? It's not like this is a big, big deal. It's that I recognize the warm water, the soothing is Mm. something that helps me feel again. And when you're in that immobilized state, it's a very numb place. So look for the, especially when you're in the immobilized state, look for the things that seem really innocuous, like putting lotion on your hands, taking a shower. I sometimes say like, just putting on the jeans, put on the jeans, take the sweatpants off. Like that alone is starting to send a message to your nervous system. Like we're good. Right. We have legs. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. You could stand if you want. But I I mean, honestly, that is the thing where I see people get frustrated over and over again, because especially people who have spent a lot of time and money learning how to, you know, the right practices to make them feel better. If you don't also understand that right practice might not be for the right state, then it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I'm definitely a warm shower person myself. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And that gets to count. Like you did something. If you're in a shutdown state, immobilized, and you take a warm shower, check. Yeah. Yeah. Wash your hair. Yeah. And And in some ways, I almost feel like also the flexibility to, because I know know this sounds weird, but like some background, I've lived in multiple situations where I haven't had running water. And so like, for me, that was like the thing right? Like having a warm shower was the thing. And so then when I couldn't get access to that, I would get more dysregulated because I didn't have alternatives in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing this kind of looking back using the language that you're giving me now, but in some ways I like, I, I see that in myself as like, okay, sometimes in a situation where I can't have that, but there is alternate, there is an alternative and it's good to have, maybe it's good to have variety. It's good to have variety and it's good to have a plan in the sense of like, once you know what you're your menu of options is, mm-hmm. you know, which state they relate to, to be able to say like, when I feel super tense and like, I'm going to scream at my kids, I will go in the bathroom and shake, right? Like make it really tangible. When I feel shut down and overwhelmed by the world, I will call my best friend and have a 10 minute conversation just like keeping it real. So, you know, because that's the other thing, when you're in those dysregulated states, you're not thinking very clearly. Mm -mm. And you, if you have a plan and you can go back and go, what was I going to do? Yeah. I feel like I want to put this on a list in my closet. I'm a list person. Could you give like three or four more examples for each one? Yeah. Let's see. So really it's anything. So let me, let me say this, anything that brings you closer to feeling social engagement is a regulation technique. So for some of us, that's things like cooking, 
the cooking doesn't regulate me. It stresses me out. But for my friend, she loves cooking and it makes her oh, feel yeah. chill. Yeah, that's me. Right. And you might not want to cook a, a big meal when you're from immobilized, but immobilized that might slow you down. So it's like anything can be that it can be cooking. It can be exercising. It can be reading a book. It can be searching on the internet for something like it doesn't matter what the activity is. It matters. What does it do to your nervous system from that immobilized state? One of the ones that I, since I often use the example of Netflix binging in that immobilized state, another thing to do would be change what you're watching. So if you're watching something that you can just really zone out and numb out to watch something that, you know, makes you feel something. It either makes you feel sad and you get a good cry, or it makes you feel happy and you get a good laugh. But like, yeah, you might not be able to get off the couch yet, but change something that will actually touch you, you know, will bring you back to yourself. I think that's a really important one because we can, I know I can get down on myself if I'm binge watching something. It's like, okay, cool, Jay. Well, like how much is too much? (laughs) Season three, season four, like (laughs) how many seasons of Netflix is, is too much immobilization? Well, I don't have a diagnosis, but I can say something that might help you make a distinction that's helpful for you. So we go into a mobilized state when we feel our life is in danger and there's something we can do about it. We go into immobilized state when we feel our life is threatened and it's kind of like the play dead sort of response. Like I'm going to conserve energy so maybe I can survive. So it's a distinction in that many of us who stay in mobilize, 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 we drop into immobilize because it's that sense of like, I can't keep doing this and survive. Okay. So danger is there's an outer threat out to get me and, or an outer danger. And then threatened is I'm wearing myself out or good. I'm glad you asked that question. Okay. Danger is there's something that's maybe making me feel unsafe or in danger, but I can do something about it. So and uh, the, pa- the the perspective and, of power threat control. is my life is literally threatened here and it might not well it might not be literally threatened but it's our our perception so if there's something for example one of my places where i go straight to immobilized is when i have a disagreement or an uh, argument with my parents mm-hmm. like there's something about that like ooh they're going to, they're going to cut me. I mean, I'm 42 years old. Like I don't need them to survive anymore, but, but there's something about when my dad gets upset with me, I go real quiet and real numb real fast because that to me reminds my little girl of like, if he doesn't like you or want to keep you safe, you're screwed. You're dead. So it's not necessarily that my life is threatened. It's that that's my perception. And whereas, you know, having, 27 emails to respond to doesn't necessarily make me feel a threat. It just makes me feel like maybe I'm not going to have enough time to do X, Y, and Z. And that feels dangerous, but I can do something about it. Does that distinction make sense? I'm trying to understand it. I guess danger is, danger is not as bad, not as yeah bad as threatened. Would you yeah. say? Yeah. Danger okay. is, this is going to suck, but I'm going to live. 
okay life you gotta do the work to get through this and threaten yeah. is I, I gotta play dead the, the predator's here yep yeah. or I gotta conserve all my energy because this is all I got yep Okay. Okay. This is, this is a really strange example, but I have pigs on my farm. Right. And so it's so interesting that when an animal has assessed the area around them, if they feel threatened, right. If they feel you coming and they're really scared, right. Like, it's so interesting that like, depending on like where they are located in a pen, they will either play dead. It, It probably has something to do with their personalities as well, but they will either play dead or they'll try and bust out. Right. So they'll like, you know, they'll flight. You can see flight. You can see, you know, freeze. You can see all of the different stress response cycles. And usually the bigger that they are, they're almost always likely to fight or to fly, like try and bust out. Sure. Because they they perceive, they perceive I'm big enough to fight this. Exactly. And I might make it, I might live. But if they perceive she's much bigger than me, I'm not even going to fight that's because they think their life is threatened. Exactly. And that's the distinction. It's not that one is necessarily better than the, a better response than the other. It's just their response to a different perceived outcome. Right. It's like, it's like a, it's like a, it, almost an instantaneous assessment of, yes, it I can handle this is. or I can't. Yeah. And if I can't handle it, then I'm just going to immobilize. And if I can, then I'm going to do something about it yeah. and go into that state. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's learned as well that even if, even if you can do something about it, you become sensitive. Like you were saying, you become Mm -hmm. sensitive to the experience of, of always feeling as if you're threatened. So then the heightened, the sensitive, you know, that threshold keeps increasing to places when you aren't even threatened. Yes. So yeah. Cool. Makes sense. Thank you. I'm, I'm also curious, and this is me, this is Anna likes the list and I like to try and make these crazy correlations that may not exist. So totally call me out on it. All right. But like, so for people who menstruate, like, is there, is there like a, are there like kind of knowing things in which you, you, people may tend to get dysregulated throughout a cycle? For instance, for those who have luteal cycles. I'm sorry. Can you say that the question again? I get yeah. what you're saying, but. Yeah. So, it. so like for people who have PMS, yeah. right. Do they tend to go into a more of a, of a, a shutdown or a, or a, or a, a hyper, or is it just everyone's doing their own thing? The only reason I ask is because like when, with people who have 28 day cycles and I feel yeah. like, or, you know, that they, they have that hormonal cycle that, that there's a, you know, there's foods that you can eat and there's different things that you right. can eat during all the different phases. So that was me. No, it's a great question. I, and I just, I asked for clarification to make sure I was, I was getting what you're saying because look, I haven't done the research to know what the link is between nervous system regulation and, and menstruation in the cycle. I'm absolutely sure there's a link though, mm-hmm. you know, just physically as a person who does menstruate, I can tell you I'm more, you know, the week before I'm more likely to be mobilized and the week of I'm likely to be more immobilized. So all that to say, I think there's definitely a connection, but the the answer is still the same. Is like, can you detect which state you're in, and what do you know from your your evidence? What helps you move a little bit out of that state? And I guess that's the other thing I would say is, you know, I don't know about you, but I tend to be a real black and white, like all or nothing kind of person. So if it doesn't make everything better right now, I'm like, that didn't work. As opposed to, you know, if you're an 8.8 on how high revved you are out of 10 and it brings you down to a 7.9, that worked. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not looking for 
everything to suddenly be back to normal, quote unquote, normal uh, or manageable, you're looking for a sense of having agency over that physiology. Because when we don't, and this is, this is just a little tangent I'll put out there. When we don't have agency over what state we're in, that's called trauma. When we can't get out of feeling mobilized, we can't get out of feeling immobilized, that's trauma. And so even to move yourself 0.5 degrees on the dial is, is sending your brain the message like, you're okay. This is something that's manageable. Mm-hmm. You can change. This it. is temporary. Yeah. Yeah. That's I love that. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. Right. Like anything that gets to just be like, oh, sweetie, you can do less and you're okay. I think yeah. those are good messages. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love, I love using the, the way that you use that language too. Cause we do, we do often say that like, oh, do I feel safe now? But safe is just dialing that, just changing that dial, right? Just making those little, even if it's just micro movements. Yeah. Because I think the that question place. is, do I feel more here? Do I feel, mm. feel more capable? Cause safety is relative especially yeah. depending on, you know, what body you live in. And it's more about, do I feel present enough to show up to what's here? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Absolutely. No. And I appreciate too, your answer about, about the cycles. Cause I think the re- in some ways, like it's so what I've noticed in observing myself is that whether I'm mobilized or immobilized, the self-abuse sounds very similar, right? Mm. It's a, it's an interesting thing. So in some ways I'm like, maybe I can like try and track where this happens throughout any given month. Right. Because like, yeah, you know, so it's, it's just a, it's an interesting thing for me to hear that because now I'm just like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder how I can, if there are actually slight distinctions, right. There's slight word triggers that I can know that in my head, it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I haven't done enough. Okay, if I haven't done enough, then I'm in a mobilized state. Like I hear that in my head, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that you said that because it reminds me of the other important piece that I think is so powerful and wonderful about working at the level of the nervous system is once you understand that this isn't who you are, it's how you're being influenced by your physiology, it changes things too. Because if I don't understand what an immobilized state is based on, you know, the context of the nervous system, I just think I'm lazy. If I don't understand what mobilization does to my behavior because of what my nervous system state is, I think I'm a jerk, <laughs> right? Because when I'm mobilized, I'm impatient. I'm short with people around me. I tend to see the world is against me, right? Because I'm in fight mode. And if I don't understand that that's an influence on my behavior, not who I am, then the self-abuse continues, right? Like then they're like, oh, what a jerk, what a, what a bitch, what a lazy piece of poop you are, you know, like all that stuff that continues as opposed to if I can go, oh, I'm doing the things that I do when I'm immobilized. What does my nervous system need? Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes another it's, it's interesting because, you know, we've talked a lot about internal family systems in the last couple of episodes that we've had at the end of season three. And, and in some ways it almost feels like, maybe this is a little, again, a little far-fetched, but that like the nervous system in the body is a part that is there to be, to be 
it, it's almost a different, like, it's almost like a, it's not like a separate part of us, right? It's an integral part of us, but it's almost like the vehicle, the car, the vessel in which the self sits. And therefore, yes. like, you need to take care of the vehicle that the self sits in. All right, you ready for this? Because we're going to go a whole other hour on IFS. And <laughs> um, no, but to, to say in my coaching practice, I absolutely bring in the principles of IFS because that whole idea in IFS is we've got protectors and the protectors show up because our nervous system is telling us there's something dangerous or there's something threatening me. And those different parts of us have different links to different states in the nervous system. But those, those protector parts absolutely come on board when you're dysregulated. Makes and that's so sense. when I work with mm -hmm. people one-on-one, -on -one, we really look at like, what does that feel like in your body when that part of you is here? And can you learn that through regulating your nervous system, soothing your own emotions, that you actually can show up for that child self and not need all those other parts of you to come in and like, yeah, maybe they keep you safe, but they don't, they don't help you grow. So it's all connected. No, and it makes and it makes so much sense because like, you know, in, in the past we've talked about the primal wounds and like even now I can be like, oh, well, abandonment tends towards mobilization, right? Like the abandonment wound, the, the mask of it is to be the codependent and kind of do that. Rejection is about being the fugitive and really becoming the avoidant. And I'm like, oh, that's probably more towards an immobilized yeah. state. It doesn't matter, though, because, you know, we could, we could draw all the conclusions we wanted with like, you know, kind of the new explanation. But what I enjoy so much about what you're saying is that it just feels like it, it just... It gives us another level of separation from self-abuse, like you're talking about. Yeah. Another level, mm -hmm. another level that says, "My wounds are not me. The parts right. that are my protectors are not me. I mean, right. they are me, but they're they're a not part. myself. Yeah, they're a part, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they're not they're not the self, right? And and I'm not defined by my trauma. I'm not defined my by my dysregulated system. And I'm not necessarily, you know, maybe the behaviors that we, I show when I am dysregulated. People know me as that, but that isn't me. That right, is, or yeah. I know me as that. I think that's sometimes that piece oh, of yeah. recognizing, you know, when when we separate ourselves from those parts and separate ourselves from those behaviors, it's like, oh, that act, so many people, so, or some of, many of my clients come in identifying as mm -hmm. the protector in that mobilized state. It's like, oh no, that isn't, like that's, that's your first hurdle is, disidentify as that being who you are. Mm -hmm. It is a state. It is behavior influenced by a state of your physiology. Yeah. Have you noticed any connection with food and the autonomic nervous system? Like I recently finished a course called wild fit where I've basically taken grains, sugar additives and dairy out of my diet. And the last three menstrual cycles were three of the first times mm -hmm. I can recall that I didn't go into full on dragon, burn the world down. Amen. And, and the only thing I changed 
I mean, I, the only thing I changed in this situation, well, I was been doing a lot of IFS work too. So that could be that another contributing factor, but I feel like the diet has a lot to do with my, I guess my sense of safety, like maybe viscerally I was in pain. And so I felt under threat. Like, I don't know, like what, what have you found with food? Again, I'm not a researcher on this, but what I've found in my experience is that food in the nervous system and food in IFS are linked, right? The different parts of us eating for different reasons. And if we change that behavior, we change the nervous system and our emotional regulation, but vice versa has also been true. If I learn how to regulate my nervous system and soothe my emotions, I eat differently. And what's been a surprise in my practice is that in my coaching practice is that three quarters of the people that I see are sober or become sober. And a large number of the people that I see, maybe half who maybe have that sometimes overlap with the the people who are sober have had eating disorder issues because what they're realizing now is that, you know, as I get my eating or my drinking under control, I need skill sets to help me manage the emotions and the, and the kind of the dysregulation Mm -hmm. that I, or the social anxiety, any of that, and then vice versa. If we're starting to, you know, really get back to that place of okayness and social engagement, those behaviors fall away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's, yeah, because I was like, is it mirror? Is it the, you know, is it right. chicken or egg? And then I'm like, well, maybe it's a mirror. Like they're both happening at the same time. Sorry, Chris, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say that it, it makes so much sense too, because I, I always associate, you know, addictive tendencies or anything like that with like firefighters, right? That they're, they're it's yeah. not necessarily, it can be obviously managers as well, but but, you know, ultimately, in a lot of ways, they are all like, like part of the journey for me in this podcast has been understanding that I never reached emotional maturity in many, many ways. Right. And I call emotional maturity as in like the ability to emotionally regulate, mm-hmm. to be, to regulate my emotions on any given day. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like having like almost like a childlike reaction to something that goes wrong was something that I always had because it felt like part of me was just kind of stuck at that younger right. age. So it, it's interesting, the kind of masks and the different things and the behavior patterns and the maladaptive behaviors that we kind of put, put around everything. And as you start to, to come out of it, it all really comes down to, can, do we have this fundamental skill, right? Yeah. Do we have this fundamental skill of emotionally regulating and really right, understanding? Being able to create that sense of connection, safety, belonging, and mattering inside ourselves. Yes. Because that's, mm-hmm. I mean, go back to the seeking. That's what anyone is seeking. That's what all of us are seeking. And if we can't access that through our own inner experience, all kinds of, we do all kinds of wacky shit. <laughs> I mean, to say it in the, in the least smart way, like that's just what it is. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Going into intimacy. This is something I know that you talk a lot about in your, yours jewelry course. And, and we talked a little bit about it last season. What is the relationship that you see between that social engagement regulated state mm-hmm and vulnerability and intimacy and, and how that can change your relationship with your partner or your children, friends, like what, I guess I'm asking for a summary of, of 12 weeks of work, which is silly, but like <laughs> you could maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, the, the quick answer is intimacy is only possible in that state of social engagement. So the beginning part of the work, the foundational part of yours truly is the nervous system work and emotional regulation. But from there, this is where the integral approach comes in. 
there's also, you know, learning what was the template we got for love and relating. So like going back and going, what did I learn from a young age? It means to be a good person. It means to be a loving person. It means to be good in relationship and coming, coming to learn a healthier template. So then once you've learned the healthier template, you start to practice new ways of being that lead to more intimacy. And that's where you loop back to the need to know how to regulate yourself and soothe yourself because that stuff's hard, right? It, the closer, if I, I know you both have said at different times, like you have the avoidant, you know, in you, and I definitely have avoidant too. And if an avoidant gets closer to someone, your nervous system is going to go like, ah, no. So there's, you know, you need to know what the new template is and what the new skills are, but also keep looping in like, you're good. It's okay. Nervous system regulation on board. And then the third part of the course of yours truly is really learning a new language. So if you've had a template for relating that really didn't include intimacy and relating, you know, which most, most of us do, and you didn't have the ability to soothe yourself and manage, or excuse me, regulate your nervous system, you don't even actually have the language to talk to your partner or your family members in ways that are truly relational and healthy. So that's the the 12 week kind of, we start with nervous system and emotions. We go to the psychoeducation and like, what are, what's the old template and what's the new template. And then we Mm -hmm. go into practicing new skills and new language to be different, not just understand different. Is this a self-paced course like online or is it a group class? No, currently it is a group class and it is, it includes weekly calls with me where we actually take what we're learning and say, where's the showing up in your life? And we, we start every call with pearls, which I call progress in real life. So you can say like, Hey, I watched this video on this module and here's where I started practicing it. And here's where I fell flat on my face, or here's where it like really changed something. And we can have real time coaching with that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I keep asking all these questions as if you're this big researcher. Like, where do you think we got off track in the evolutionary or social cycle? Like, why are we all so kind of bad at this? Naturally, Gosh. it feels like we're naturally bad at it, right? Bad at relating? No, bad at regulating, regulating our autonomic mm. nervous system. Gosh, that's a good question. Why are we so bad at it? You think we just, you think that maybe the US is a country, like, this is an odd thing, but like my dad once said that the, the U.S. taking away, of course, Native Americans is a country of immigrants. And so mm-hmm. who are immigrants? They're people who are unsatisfied with their living conditions. So they seek better. Mm-hmm. So we are a country of people and same with Australia, New Zealand, you know, it's like a country of people yeah. who are dissatisfied in life. So we don't have a lot of great coping mechanisms. That's his theory. Okay, no, I, that, I get that. But, but well, then I'm sure that people in Europe suck at this too. <laughs> In Africa, Asia. I mean, I'm just curious. No, I, gosh, that is a good question. And I don't have like the answer, but an answer that comes to mind is that if you have a certain level of societal dysregulation, it stays that way. Meaning it perpetually, like we were talking in your own body, if if I'm dysregulated, if I don't know how to interrupt that, I stay dysregulated and I get more dysregulated. And, you know, I know back to IFS, 
Dick Schwartz talks about this in his book, No Bad Parts, where he was like, you know, firefighters create more firefighters around them. Managers create more managers around them. Like something to understand about the nervous system is that we co-regulate with one another. So if I show up to our interview and I'm massively dysregulated, it will impact your nervous systems. Yes. You'll meet my energy. Right. We're tuning forks. We're tuning forks. So if we have a culture where there aren't a lot of people who hold that energy of regulation, the energy keeps moving and moving to dysregulation. So I don't know where we got so off course, but what I do know is that because we do co-regulate, if you understand how to do that for yourself, you are helping your partners, you are helping your children, you are helping the people you work with. Like, I really believe in in the same way that you would want like someone who was really conscious around you, you want people who are really embodied and regulated around you because that's going to be helpful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I totally I feel agree like that's that. like therapy dogs in a nutshell, right? Like you want that <laughs> regulated beast right beside you. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I can't, I, yeah, I definitely, it's so interesting because I keep thinking of the, the, the kind of parallels with heart, mind coherence and how they always talk about how when you're, at least this is what I've heard through that, but I suspect it's the same thing is that like in a choir, right? Where everyone mm-hmm. starts to breathe on the same, because they all have to, to take breaths in the yes. same area. All the sopranos are taking your breath at the same place, right? That they start to regulate with each other in this mass way, which is why it's so beneficial to sing in a group. Yes. <laughs> right. Or to move in a group, any sort yeah. of thing that you're timed with another body. Yeah. It's so healing. And, and I love that example with the choir, because you might not be able to name I feel better after I go to choir practice because I'm breathing at the same time as other, you know, like you (laughs) can't name it necessarily, but it's real. It's, you know, it's felt experience. And it's no doubt that people during the pandemic, I mean, when you take a remote yoga class, my, it's so funny because I just find it, I find it so difficult, right. For me anyway, to like really feel the same way as I do after I'm in a class with other people, right. For that same reason of like, not, not to say that we can't regulate over a Zoom call. Like, of course we can, but I, isn't there must be something with proximity. Totally, yeah, well. I mean, yeah. That, it's entrainment is the scientific word for that. You're okay. lacking the entrainment and that it doesn't have this, though the yoga itself has a regulating effect, perhaps you're missing that other piece. So it wouldn't have the potency. Okay. Yeah, Very I feel the same way. Yeah. Very good. So what is the biggest takeaway that you want Um our audience to really hear. There's been so many great ones. I know this has been such a fun conversation. I I feel like we're kindred spirits here. I think the biggest takeaway is this idea that if you're going to whatever fulfillment it is that you're seeking in your life, it requires an approach that is spiritual, psychological, physical, physiological, and that you can't deny any one of those parts of you for your own wholeness. And that it isn't about the fix, it's about the wholeness of human experience and that your insides, all of them, whether they're psychological, spiritual, mental, emotional, all of your physiologicals, they matter. Yeah. They matter in that process. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. I love it. Thank you. Wow. This, this has been one of the, I feel like I needed this interview. This is going to help a lot of people because I know it's going to help me. So thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, yes. my pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us today. And to our listeners, if you want to take Jay's classes or pursue group or one-on-one -on -one coaching with her, visit j-fields.com. So that's J-A-Y-F-I-E-L-D-S.com. Thank you so much, Jay Fields. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. It will help people find us. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Hi, y'all. Listening to the last season of This Spiritual Fix may have stirred up for you some awareness of how the mother wound ties into so many of our subconscious needs and desires in our daily lives. Well, we've put together a comprehensive five-week course on this mother wound, complete with meditations, journal prompts, and never-before-seen videos and lectures. This course is designed for you to heal your personal and cosmic attachment wounds, reparent yourself, and surrender to the Great Mother. This course is an intense experience for spiritual seekers, and maybe you're not ready for something that intense yet. So we've put together our version of what we call the Shadow Work Essentials course, the Mother Wound Mini to give you access and awareness to this wound with tools to process your energy and to remember the Cosmic Mother's love for you. I cannot emphasize enough how much this work has changed my relationship with my partner, my kids, my family, and the world. It can be life-changing for you too. Go to our shop, www.thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop for more details. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.